April 27, 1975. I have been informed that exactly 50 years ago today, a young man and his lovely young bride stood before a minister of God and were pronounced husband and wife. And Victor and Jane Minor, as they are every Sunday, are in their usual seats back under the balcony on my left, and I'd like them to stand at this great moment that God has given unto them by blessing them together in happiness for 50 years together. Victor and Jane, while they're standing, I see others in the congregation whom I know God has equally blessed by giving them a life partner for 50 years or more. If you happen to be one of those couples, would you please stand wherever you are, please? Come on, Hutchison's Bishop Brackles. Many folks. Let's all express to them our Venuses were the fourth couple. Four couples, and I know there are others who are not here today. But God has shown again how richly he has blessed our family here. God bless you all. I'll have to be 93 if I ever hit that anniversary. And <laughs> the first person who says I better get started, he can leave right now. Join with me as we read God's Word, Luke, the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit for forty days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing in those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become brick. And Jesus answered him, As it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels charge of you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time.
We have been addressing ourselves to the subject, the great subject, the Holy Spirit. Now, anyone who is filled with the Spirit, he's going to know power in his life, but he's also going to have problems. And contrary to what some people would have you to believe, please believe me, ladies and gentlemen, when I say to you that even though we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, even though we try to be sensitive to his leading, even though we are trying by his help to bear fruits of the Spirit, not one of us is immune to the temptations that do come to those of us who are trying to follow the Spirit of God. Yes, any one of us any one of us is liable to be attacked by any one of these temptations where they come to people who are trying to be sons of the living God. Therefore, you see, it's necessary for us to learn and to know how to handle temptations when they come. And what I hope is the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I would like to give you a few ideas which I feel are taught to us by the one who, when he was full of the Spirit, Jesus Christ, knew what it was to be tempted. Tempted in all respects as we are tempted. The first thing that I think Scripture tells us in this lesson and in other verses of the Holy Writing, is that we do not know when another person is facing temptation. It's the first thing that we can know is that we can never know for sure when another person is facing temptation in his life. There could very easily be someone here today, right now, this very moment, seated in this congregation or listening on their radios, somebody or somebodies who are experiencing tremendous torments of temptation. And the person sitting beside that tempted one not even be conscious of what is going on in another person's soul. You see, we would not know anything about Jesus' temptation if he had not told us. He was in the wilderness and he was alone. And the only way we know that Jesus suffered, as you and I suffer when we are tempted, is because Jesus told us. So the first thing that we know is that we can never know for sure when someone is being tempted. But though we do not know when temptation comes, we always know where it comes, don't we? Temptation will come to you and to me the same place where it came to Jesus, and that is in the area of our talents, our abilities, our gifts. We would like to think that we are tempted always in our weaknesses, but that's not true. We're weak when we yield, yes, but 
we are always tempted in the areas of our gifts or in the area of our strengths. If you are an individual who has been given the gift of charm, you're going to be constantly tempted to get away with anything. If you are tempted with the ability to use words wisely and well, you're going to be tempted continuously with insincerity. If you are gifted with a sensitive and bright and alive imagination, you are going to know agonies of temptation that a person with a lesser imagination will never experience. If you have been given the gift of a good mind, the ability of a leader, if you've been given a pleasant personality, you're going to be tempted in those strengths to become the master, not the servant of other men. You see how it happens? This is where Jesus was tempted, in the area of the gifts which God had given unto him. And that's exactly where you and I will find temptation constantly coming into our lives. And we will find them coming always in the same three ways. Always the same. We will be tempted to take these gifts, whatever they are, and God has given to each one of us different gifts. Paul calls them gifts of the Spirit. But whatever your gift is, or gifts, you're going to be tempted to use them in a selfish way, in a selfish way. That's the meaning of Christ's first temptation. You see, he had the gift, the power, to turn a stone into a loaf of bread. Yes, we know he could turn water into wine, and anybody that could do that could turn a stone into a loaf of bread. And Jesus, for six weeks, less two days, was out there in the wilderness, alone. He was hungry, he was tired, he hadn't had a good night's sleep. And whether this took place in an actual geographical area of Palestine or merely as temptation comes to us in the silence or the desert of our minds, it will come in that area of a strength to use that strength and to be tempted to use it selfishly. Jesus declined that temptation. He knew that he could have done it just as you and I know that we can use our talents selfishly. And we're going to be tempted to do it throughout all of our lives. But Jesus said no. No, he wanted nothing to do with just serving his own desires and pleasures. He had sensual feelings just like all of us. But he knew that man does not live by feeding his own appetite or by bread alone, but by the very word of God himself. So Jesus said no. But his first temptation came when he was tempted to use his gifts selfishly. Secondly, temptation will come to us as it always does when we have these gifts 
and are tempted to use them stupidly. Stupidly, in the sense that we try to ignore the fact that God is God and man is man, that he is the creator and we are the creation. He is the leader and we are the follower. When we try to ignore the fact that there are certain rules, rules of man and rules of God, which we are to follow. When we become stupid of the, to the fact that we are stewards of all of life, that we bring nothing into this world and we take nothing out, and everything we have, be it a day to live, an hour to enjoy, a talent to use, or money to earn. These are all gifts. And someday we'll leave this earth and will not take a thing with us except the record of our stewardship, how we have been managers and trustees of the gifts that God has given us. So it's altogether possible for us to go through life living in such a stupor that we refuse to accept the responsibility which is ours as creations of God's wonderful spirit. Jesus, you see, was tempted to forget who he was. He was tempted to weep, weep with the forces of evil. He was tempted to compromise his convictions. He was tempted to bend the rules, to forget the principles, to try, instead of changing the world, becoming a part of the world by being influenced with the world. He refused all of this, and he knew that God alone is the one that we are to worship, and him alone are we to serve. So he said no. But like all of us, he was continuously tempted to use his Yes, in a very stupid way, and that's the way temptation comes to us, to try and get us to forget these gifts are gifts which come from God. And thirdly, we will be tempted as with Jesus to use these gifts in a sensational way, sensationally. Yes, you see, that's how Jesus was tempted by the force of evil, to try and get God to do something that he could have done, but which he chose not to do. You see, this is our constant temptation as we walk in the Spirit, to try and tempt God, force his hand, do what we want him to do. We're not very consistent in our faith. You see, we tempt God when we abuse these gifted bodies that he has given to us with some drug like alcohol, or we become involved in some great habit that we feel we cannot break, and we continue to abuse and misuse this temple of the Holy Spirit, our bodies, and then these bodies break down. And we get down on our knees and we pray to God for healing. Now God can heal us. 
So often we pray for healing without being willing to give up that particular habit or drug which is destroying the very thing that we want to see healed. Now when we do that, we tempt God. We're just like Jesus, who is tempted to crawl up on the pinnacle of the temple, and some of us have been there in the reconstructed pinnacle, which is 450 feet over the Kidron Valley. And that's throwing ourselves down, hoping and praying that God will send his legion of angels to catch us and to pick us up and to heal us. When we aren't willing to do anything ourselves to help. That's tempting God. It's like that college boy that I've told you about before who goofed off the whole fall term and he didn't do his work. But he had some religion in him, and the night before the exam, which came on the last day before the Christmas holiday, he got down on his knees instead of opening his books. And he prayed to God that God would guide him through that examination, and then he went to bed. Next day, he got up and took the exam, and he couldn't answer those questions, and the time was coming for his bus to depart, so he nearly wrote across the paper, God alone knows the answers to these questions. Merry Christmas. And he went home and he had a great holiday, and when he came back, he got his paper returned, marked. God passes, you fail. Happy New Year. Can you get the idea? That's tempting God when God has already given us the ability. And we refuse to use it. When God has given us the responsibility, and we refuse to assume it. When God wants to lead us, and we in turn try to tell God what to do. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But that's a temptation that comes to every one of us. And the more gifted we are, the bigger tendency we have to be confronted with that temptation. We don't know when they come. We know to where they come, our gifts. We know how they come, always in one of three ways, to use them in a selfish way, a stupid way, or a sensational way. And there's another thing I have to tell you about temptation. They'll come to you and me as long as we live. They came to Jesus when he was full of the Holy Spirit right after his baptism, and the temptations were still coming the night before he died when he was in the garden. He didn't want to die, you know. <clears throat> Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. You see, he was tempted to act selfishly and to allow the pleasure principle to prevail, and he wanted to survive. He was tempted, you know, I think, to compromise, to, to weep at the powers of evil, and to get up and say before they put him on the cross, I'm sorry, Roman governors, I'm sorry, Jewish temple Sadducee and Pharisee leaders. I'm wrong. I'm really not the Son of God. Forgive me. He was tempted to do that, I'm sure, and he was tempted to do a sensational act. Was it not our Lord himself who said to Peter, 
that he is capable of calling forth 12 legions of angels to come and keep him from that fateful hour of history. But he did not do it. Our Lord was tempted right up to the grave, and so shall we be. But our Lord yielded not. And this is the heart of the whole sermon. Do you know how our Lord handled temptation? And why, even though tempted in all ways like we, he never once, he never once yielded to the temptation and sin. He did so because, one, he knew who he was. He knew who he was. When our Lord was baptized, he knew that the Holy Spirit had descended in bodily form upon him. He knew that the heavens had opened, and he heard the voice of God say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am pleased. He knew that he had a mission on life, and that was to use all the gifts and talents which God had given him, not for his own selfish, stupid, sensational plans, that he was given these gifts to use them for the benefit of God and his fellow man. He knew who he was. And then secondly, he knew the rule book of life. The rule book of life, which is the scriptures. He knew them. He had them memorized. So when he was tempted to do evil, he refuted that temptation with the power of the word of God. And every time he answered the temptation, he did so with the words of scripture. Man does not live by bread alone. The Lord our Lord you worship, and him only shall you serve. Do not tempt the Lord. Those are ideas, principles, powerful truths which come from one place, the Word of God. And I submit to you what kept Jesus true to the Spirit and using the gifts which God gave unto him came because he knew who he was and because he knew the rule book of life. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the only way you and I will ever handle temptation successfully is if we allow the Spirit of the living God to tell us who we are if we do not know already. In baptism we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the preached word and through the taught word and the sung word and through the word made flesh, through the cross of Jesus Christ, we are told that God loves us and that we are heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of the king. That's who we are. That's the game we're here to play. But even if we know who we are, if we know not the rule book for the game of life, we don't have much power to confront the temptations which come to us here in life. You see, when you're playing football, you don't try to score home runs. 
That's not according to the rules of football. When you try to play the game of life by some other book or by some other law, it just doesn't work out. This is the word which is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This is God's instruction book. This is how it is to be done. Thus saith the Lord. The only hope that we have to become the people that God would have us to become is to know who we are and to allow his word to be made flesh in our lives so that we have a power to confront temptation. I thought I'd be a little short today. I am again. Last week I understood I really upset some of you by letting you out a few minutes early. I have a temptation, you see, with a gift that God has given to me in trying to practice what I preach. I could, you see, use this gift and selfishly go ahead now and continue on, stupidly doing so, hoping to get something of a sensation out of you. But knowing who I am and following the word of God, I've been led to that passage, Luke 4, the 20th verse. And I leave that to you to look it up and to find out why it is that I sit down. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, please help us throughout this life. You've given us so much. You've given us so much. Help us to be conscious of your living spirit in our midst. Silently now, Father, we wait for thee. Ready our God, thy will to see. Open our eyes. Illumine each one. O Spirit divine. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>